right? I, I'm, I'm excited for the snow, actually. I, this is my favorite time of year, moving into Thanksgiving, get to wear the hoodies. The, I, I was told I look like a pumpkin today, so me and my, my orange sweater, I'm rocking it. But uh, thank you for being here today. Um, I just wanted to start off with a couple of announcements real quick. If you are a first-time guest, uh, thank you for being here, for making the effort to come. Uh, please, uh, on the way in, you may have seen we have a table there with some bags. Grab a bag. That's a gift from us to you to say thank you for being here. And if you would, go to LifeChurchUtah.com and let us know that you were here. That way we can stay in touch with you and let you know what's happening. And then if you have any gifts, tithes, offerings that you would like to give, we have a kiosk there in the back where you can give or you can give at LifeChurchUtah.com. Uh, thank you for continuing to be faithful with uh, your tithes and your offerings. I know that this season is kind of crazy, um, but God will honor your faithfulness. Uh, we have a very exciting event coming up, and we have a little video for you to watch. Check it out. Ladies, Girlfriend presents another Christmas event just for you. Great joy. On Friday, December 11th, we will open up this great gift of joy as we celebrate together the birth of Jesus through stories and songs. This elegant evening includes dinner, dessert, door prizes, and so much more. Today, ladies, you can sign up to be a table hostess. Men, you can sign up to be a server. Tickets will go on sale November 15th, so begin inviting your friends, coworkers, and family. Tables and seating are limited, so be sure to reserve your spot. For the first time, we are offering an online option to host in your home. Please visit the table in the lobby if you have any questions. Let's celebrate the good news of great joy together this Christmas. I know that last year it was a, a fun event for the ladies in the church, so uh, we're doing it again this year. So if you are interested in being involved, hosting a table, putting together a table, or hosting one in your home, uh, we have tickets and sign-ups and brochures in the back. Um, find my wife. She is kind of the know-it-all on this one. She's been working with uh, the main campus in West Valley, uh, putting this together. So sign up. Be involved. It'll be fun. Um, a night of food and Christmas songs and, and speakers. So I encourage you to do that. And then I want to take a couple minutes and uh, talk about Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope is a ministry, a nonprofit that we support at Life Church. It's actually one of the biggest uh, ministries that we support. What is Convoy of Hope? Well, they are a nonprofit first responder uh, ministry. So, man made natural disasters, they are one of the first on site to hand out food and supplies and goods for people that need them. And according to their website, uh, if you were to total up, tally everything that they have given since they started, it would equal about $1.1 billion worth of goods and foods. So they do great work around the world. It's just not in America, but it's worldwide. And on November 22nd, we're um, putting out a challenge to everybody. So we want to give you some time to pray about it, think about it. And the challenge is this, one day's wages to give towards uh, a convoy of hope. Now, I know, like I already prefaced, that times can be are tight right now. It might not be feasible to give a, a full day's wages. But go home, pray about it, talk about it with your, your spouse, um, and find out if this, figure out if this is something that you can do. I know 
that God will bless you and honor you in that sacrifice. Sometimes we got to get it stretched a little outside our comfort zone. You know, this is something that is above and beyond tithe and offering. So um, go pray about it and uh, consider giving to Convoy of Hope on November 22nd. You know, and in lieu of what we've been talking about, it's a good segue into our message. Um, over the last few weeks, we have been talking about what is Life Church? Who are we? What is our purpose? Why do we exist? And so we found it fitting to kind of go over who we are. Why, why are we here? And uh, to do a quick little recap, over the last few weeks, we've learned that God has given us a, uh, a role uh, in this process of leading people to Jesus. Our mission statement is, God has called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. And to do this, we ourselves need to look more like Jesus, because if my life doesn't re represent him, who is going to want to follow me following Christ? So we, we learn that it's through relationships and, and through engaging with one another that we lead people to Jesus. And then we talked about our commitment to biblical truth, that our commitment to, to God's word will enable and empower us to lead people to Jesus, that as we engage with God's word, that we're not reading into it, but we're reading out of it, that we go in with the intention of God's word transforming us and changing us and making our character more like Jesus. And then last week, we looked at how we need to innovate the way we do ministry. We need to be innovative in the way we reach people where they are at. You know, we saw that Jesus wasn't restricted to what cultural and societal and church norms were, but he talked to everybody that Jesus uses new things to impact communities. So if we're open to new ways of reaching people that are biblical and that are done in the character of Jesus, we, God will use us and we will see God use us to lead people to Jesus. Now, it seems every time I want to tell a story about my wife, she is downstairs with the kids. And it, it's probably for a good reason. She's not one that likes attention, and sometimes my stories might embarrass her. Um, she accuses me all the time that I like attention. I don't like attention. I just, she, well, why are you always on a stage? Well, that's just where I'm at. God, God has put me there, and I have a captive audience and something to say, so why not say it? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not, I don't seek attention. I'll stop. My, my hole's getting deeper and deeper. But back to my wife. So a phrase that I hear constantly when people are talking about Allison is, how does she remember? How does she remember? Um, what does she remember? Birthdays, anniversaries, new births, surgeries, deaths in other people's family, um, life events, she has a way of remembering. And how does she remember? Well, one, she has the memory of an elephant. And um, I'm not, that's so, <laughs> that's okay. Um, elephants have great memories. And this picture is a scene, you can go back, to the, from the Jungle Book. And that's Colonel Hottie and his wife, Winifred. And Colonel Hottie is telling her how elephants don't forget. And he says, Nonsense, Winifred, old girl. An elephant never forgets. So there's proof. Elephants have great memories. 
But no, scientists have really proven that elephants have great memories. But Allison has an incredible memory. She's able to remember all of these things. The second thing is she is intentional. Um, I have never met a person that uh, cares and loves people like she does. There will be a birthday for a niece, a nephew, a friend, and she will make it a point uh, for, to get the family together and do a happy birthday message, a video, and send it. And if we miss it, she genuinely feels bad. And I'm like, eh, it's all right, no big deal. And, you know, I think about it, and it's like, well, if you're the one receiving that message, it means a lot to you. And, and so I'm trying to learn from her that um, these are good practices. I am not the best. I have uh, a ways to grow in it. And another thing she does is uh, she is someone that will give you her time. She will stop her day. She will talk with you. She will meet with you. She will pray. She will encourage you. She will, uh, she tells me she'll spend hours on phone calls, FaceTime calls, meeting in person, just loving on people. And I know that she truly listens and cares for people because she enters their story. I remember there was a time a friend of ours was going through a really tough time, and I told her the story. And as she was sitting on the couch, tears began to well up in her eyes. And I like, are, are you okay? And she had so much empathy for that person. She's like, I just can't imagine carrying that weight and, and what they're going through. So she really enters into that person's story. You know, the reason that she remembers birthdays, life events, is due to her being intentional about loving people. She makes it a, a, a practice to put stuff into her phone, that she gets reminders, and, and she's intentional about it. Do you know anybody that's that way, that is intentional in the way that they love people? Do you strive to be that way? I, I'm trying. Like I said, I have a ways to go, but this is who Jesus is. And yes, I just compared Allison to Jesus, but isn't that the goal? that our character begins to look more and more like Jesus. Like uh, Paul said, and I've shared for the last couple of weeks, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You see, what we're going to see from our stories today and from the text we read is how Jesus was intentional in the things that he did. He didn't do things for attention. He did it out of love. And in fact, Jesus was so intentional and he knew his purpose so well that when people begged him to stay, he would not stay. And we'll, we'll get into that. And, uh, you know, in today's culture, what do we see? If someone is successful in something, if they do something well, what do they do? They create a blog. They create a vlog. Now, for those of you that don't know, I'm new to this too. A blog is a written story. A vlog is a video story. So you have a blog and a vlog, or you have a podcast, which you can listen to their story. Uh, you might start a YouTube channel. Uh, some way to bring attention to yourself, maybe to make a dollar, uh, just to get your story out. Well, we're going to see today how Jesus did it for different reasons, and I'm excited to get into it. But before we do, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your people that are in this place, and I pray that as we read these stories, as we read your example May they come alive and may we see them and, and uh, internalize them. And I pray, Father, that these principles would be a become a part of 
our lives. So open our ears to hear, our minds to understand uh, that we can know how to live life the way you did. We bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we jump into the middle of our story, and Jesus is traveling through Galilee, and he's in a town called Capernaum. Now, as he's making his way through the town, he is teaching and talking to people. He's teaching in the synagogues, and the Bible tells us that he comes upon a man that is demon-possessed. We don't have any backstory on him. We don't know why he is the way he is. We just know that he confronts Jesus. Now, there is something about the way Jesus was when he spoke, when he talked with people. We see in the Gospels continually where it says the people were amazed that he taught with authority and with power. So now that Jesus is confronted by this demon-possessed man, we are going to see how he interacts. And we find that story in Luke chapter 4, verse 33 through 37. And I will read it to you. It says this, In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon. An evil spirit, he cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out with it without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding areas. So what do we see in this story? Jesus is surrounded by people. Everywhere he went, there were always throngs of people pressing in, wanting to engage with him. And this man comes up and encounters him. And we see that when Jesus is confronted, he spoke with this power and this authority. Well, whose power, whose authority is he speaking with? Well, he is the Son of God. So he is speaking with his Father's authority, with his Father's power. But we see throughout the Gospels that Jesus is constantly making himself to be equal with God because Jesus is God. He is 100% man, 100% God. So he's also speaking with his authority. He is speaking with his power. So Jesus has the ability to carry out and fulfill what it is he is speaking. So Jesus is the Christ. The Christ is king. The demon declares this himself. He knew who he was. Therefore, the demon had to obey. And Jesus speaks it, and he comes out of him. Now, because of this encounter, word of Jesus spreads throughout all of Capernaum. And, you you know, the thing is, is when God gets to doing something, it gets the attention of people. When God is moving in the midst of people, word spreads, people hear about it, and they want to know what's going on. Now we see Jesus, he moves from the synagogue, and he goes to Simon Peter's house, one of his disciples. And while he's there, Simon's mother-in-law is ill. We pick up the story in verses 38 through 41 in Luke chapter 4. And it says this, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. And they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. 
and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Christ. Now we see Jesus' work is never done. No matter where he goes, he is being encountered with people. He goes to Simon's house to sit down for a meal, and the people find him. And, and even while he's there, Simon's like, hey, I knew you'd do some miracles. Will you heal my mom? And so he's like, yeah, let's do it. And so he rebukes the sickness. He speaks over her health. Now that's something that we need to take hold of as a people, that God gives us that same authority because his spirit is within us, and he gives us the authority to speak over health, over sickness, and to rebuke it in his name and declare that healing, that health for ourselves. But while he's sitting there, as the night begins to go on, people continue to come, and they continue to come, and they bring people that are sick with various sicknesses. And the Bible says he lays his hands on every person and heals them. Jesus was in no hurry. He was in no rush to go home. He was in no hurry to go to bed. He was there being intentional in the way that he was loving on the people. You know, a fun little tidbit, it, Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell this story of, of uh, Simon's mother-in-law, but uh, Luke is the only one that tells us what she was ailing from, a high fever, because he was a physician. Uh, Luke was a doctor. But anyway, um, we see that Jesus is not doing these things for attention, because as the demons are declaring who he is, what does he do? Be quiet. Don't say what you want to say because his time had not come yet. His time for him to be declared as the Christ had not come. He had more that he needed to do. Right now, he was there to show people the love of God. This was his purpose, to bring people into that relationship with God and to further his kingdom. And then we see after this, Jesus moves on into, uh, he goes to bed super late, but he gets up early at daybreak and he goes in to find a solitary place, a little alone time. You know, I can relate with this. Um, while I love people and I love being with people, people can be draining and I need time to get away and uh, re recharge. Um, I lived with our my in-laws for a few months while we were remodeling our home here. And I told him, I said, if I disappear for a couple hours for the night, I'm not mad, I'm not upset, I just need to be alone, I need to recharge. And so Jesus continually, we see, he seeks solitude to go pray, to go seek the Father. And while he's out there, the people find him. We see the story in verses 42 through 44. And in, these in this text here is where we see the intentionality of Jesus and his ministry. It says, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Here we see, you know, this is the perfect time for Jesus to set up camp. This is the perfect place for him to establish himself uh, 
you know, his own little practice. He had a clientele. He had a captive audience. They wanted what he was offering. You know, he could have written some bestseller books and dispersed them around Capernaum. He could have started his self-help amphitheater show where people came and watched and he gave advice. Or he could have started his papyrus greeting card company, <laughs> WWJS. What would Jesus say? You know, he could have done those things. They were asking him to stay and do those things. It was done. It was set. But Jesus knew why he was there. He knew his purpose. You know, some verses say that I have to or it is necessary. I must go and proclaim the good news. Here is where we see the intentionality of Jesus, the intentionality of loving on people. You know, on the subject of purpose, without a purpose, sometimes we can get lost in life. We can get lost in, in what are we doing? You know, it's easy to fall into a trap of being a victim, that everything's outside of my control. Without a mission in life, it, it can feel this way. You know, I got fired. My boss didn't stand up for me. HR wasn't there for me. They don't care. They just think I'm disposable. But we don't think about Maybe I was late too often, or maybe I wasn't giving my full, my best work, and, and so they walked me through the process, and I lost my job. Or maybe I failed a test. Man, the teacher didn't, he graded too hard. He, he changed the questions. It wasn't fair, but when we don't stand back and realize maybe we didn't put in the time to study. Maybe we didn't put in that work, that effort to make sure we were prepared. Maybe it is we're giving into temptation. The things that we don't want to do, we find ourselves doing. And where it's like, you know what, forget it. It's just the way I am. Why fight it? Why, why, why do I should I even care? But we don't stand back and realize, when was the last time I read my Bible? When was the last time I spent time in prayer or engaging with other believers that will help me and encourage me? That's why this is important for the people of God to come together. The Bible says that we sharpen each other like iron sharpens iron. We are here to engage with one another, to love on one, or one another, to be a family with one another. That way we can encourage each other. When someone falls, we can pick them up. When someone has questions, we can help them and walk them through those things. You know, the way we live our lives matters. You know, last week we talked about the woman at the well. And I... I don't know if you remember, but I, I prefaced, I, I said, you know, I think Jesus went this way because he knew that this meeting was going to happen. Because on his travels, he could have gone around Samaria. That would have been okay in, the, in that culture in that time to ignore the Samaritans. But Jesus was intentional. He knew that that woman was going to be there. And that he needed that woman to know that God loved the Samaritans. He hadn't forgotten about them. He hadn't cast them away, but he loved them. And so he made sure that that appointment was going to happen. Even though she never knew that it was going to happen, he did. He was intentional. In all of Jesus' travelings, he was intentional in the way he engaged with people. He was intentional in the way he loved on people. He had a purpose. It, it's, it was his job. It was his desire to show people the love of God, the Creator, and draw them back to Him. He broke down barriers and boundaries in the way He loved, the way He gave of Himself. So here's the thought. Our understanding of our purpose should propel 
our intentionality to love. Our understanding of our purpose should propel our intentionality to love. Now we're going to shake things up a little bit, and I'm going to ask Crystal to come and join me up here on the stage. For the last few weeks, we've done video interviews. Today, we're going to do a real-life interview. Crystal and Joe and their two kiddos, Thomas and uh, Yamilet, have been with us for about nine months. Um, and so I just wanted to ask her a couple of questions. I'm going to grab my iPad. Yeah, go ahead and have a seat. So, Crystal, if you could, please tell us a little bit about your journey in becoming a Christian. Hello? Hi. Okay, so I was raised um, Catholic, and I, um, throughout my life, you know, kind of had this, the same Catholic religion that I hear everybody else has. Go to church every now and then, maybe on holidays, um, and then at some point I got very involved, um, and I became a youth leader. Um, but I didn't learn anything. I was just there to give support to other kids, and that was about it. <coughs> um, I, my family went through some things. We fell off. Um, we fell. We w got pushed aside from the church, um, and we had a bad experience, and that kind of set the tone for the rest of my young adult life. Um, then I met my husband. And he was a person of faith, so he kind of reintroduced that to me. Um, and then we had the opportunity to move out here. Oh, we found a church out in California where we lived. And then we moved out here. And um, I was here alone for the first few months. Um, my husband was still back in Los Angeles working. And I was bouncing around different churches here in Tuella. I couldn't really find something that felt like home to me. Um, and although the church that I went to back home was very big, it was a community where you just felt the presence of, of Jesus, the presence of God when you walked in. And when I came here, I was hesitant to come here because I live right next door. So I was, I was like, no way am I going to church next door. So I tried a lot of different churches here in town. And then one day I, I gave up and I was like, I'm just gonna go next door. And I walked in, everybody was super welcoming and I just, it felt, it felt like home, so I stayed. What, what are some of the ways that you have volunteered here at Life Church? <sighs> um, cooking, um, volunteering my time and yeah, you've helped with the backpack outreach. The backpack. Uh, uh, we did the um, 180s. The 180s ministry. Um, the trunk or treat. The trunk or treat. <laughs> kind of every every big outreach that we do. Yes. She and <laughs> Joe are, are here helping and serving. You know, why is it important for you and Joe to intentionally love this way in serving? Um, throughout my life, I always knew of God and um, believed in, in God, but I never really felt him. 
And when I started to feel him and uh, experience him, I guess, is when other people of faith like lended a hand out and they were there for me and they prayed over me and um you know they would shoot me a text or a call or you know are you how are you doing or i'm praying for you and stuff like that and that made like all the difference in my life so if i could do that for somebody else if i could be that love which, you know, they say Jesus is love. So if I could be that love for somebody else and I could make somebody's day or somebody's moment or just to let somebody know that I care, um, that's, that's all I want. <laughs> that's awesome, you know. How have you grown as a follower of Christ through serving and intentionally loving people? Um, this year has been difficult, I think, for everyone. And uh, the isolation itself, uh, moving to a new state, not knowing many people. Um, I think it just has um, reinforced that love is everything. And um, if, if I can give that and get that back, then I'm okay. So it's really, it's meant everything for me being here being a part of this community, being a part of this church, um, getting involved, getting to meet new people. It's meant everything. That's awesome. It kind of stems back to that idea of being a family and, and loving on one another and being there for one another. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds like it really has pushed you and propelled you in a, a deeper uh, understanding of God's love, if yeah. I'm understanding and, you know, that's, it's awesome. That's what it's all about. That, that's why we do this. That's why we are here. Uh, that's why we engage in God's word every week and, and every day in our personal lives. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. <laughs> Woo, I'm sweating. Give, her a, give her a round of applause. <laughs> it can be nerve-wracking to come up here. I understand. I get a little nervous every week, too. So it's it. I understand. I feel you. So here's the thing. If we are going to be a people that will lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus, we need to be intentional about loving people, about giving that love that we have experienced from Jesus to other people. You know, there are many people in this world that are hurting, and there is this misconception about who God is. And it genuinely breaks my heart. You know, people will say, well, he's fake. He's a figment of your imagination. He's just a a crutch, a way for you to get through life. Well, if he does exist, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about me and the little things in my life. That's not who he is. He just wants to judge. That's all he's after. He wants to cast me down. He's not concerned. And besides, he won't let me have any fun. I can't go out and have a good time. You know, at the end of the day, he just, he wants to cast me into hell. That's a lot of people's mindsets. So they completely dismiss him. But the, my friends, the exact opposite is true. 
He charged us to love one another because he loved us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In John 13, 34 through 35, he said this to his disciples, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How does love for one another translate to love outside of these walls? How do people know that we love them by loving one another? Look in this room. We have diversity. We have Hispanic. We have white. We have young. We have the seasoned. Um, we have... <laughs> you know, it, to me, it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter how much money you make or you don't make. It doesn't matter where you come from, the color of your skin. I don't care what your sexual orientation is. I said it. I don't care because Jesus loves them. And I don't need to condone somebody's lifestyle to love them. God has called us to love people because that's what he does for us. How did he love us? John 3, 16 through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. His desire is for people to know him. His desire is for people to understand this love, this compassion, this mercy that he has for them. Here in these verses, we see the greatest example of intentional love. God gave when we didn't deserve to be given to. We were with we were without God. We were sinners. But while we were sinners, he died for us. And it stems back to uh, his purpose in life and his understanding of it. In Luke 22, verses 41 through 44, it says this. He went away from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And in his anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus understood what was going to take place. He knew. He had anguish over it. The thing that stands out to me in this is an angel of heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. So many times we want to take on life solo. We want to take on life by ourselves. Jesus himself needed an angel from heaven to strengthen him, to encourage him. And God offers us the very same thing. But you see, Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Whose will are you willing to follow today? Will you choose to intentionally love Jesus you know, it's not the easiest journey. It is a journey of self-sacrifice. It's a journey of humility. It is a journey of delayed honor. But it's a journey of hope. It's a journey of peace. It's a journey of when I can't do it on my own, my God gives me the strength. He tells me that when I am weary, he will give me rest. He tells me that I can have peace in the middle of a chaotic 2020. I can know and understand that my God is on the throne and he is in control and I don't have to be afraid. He tells us, do not be afraid. Fear not, for I am with you. Jesus is the way to restoration, 
the way to peace, a way to hope, a way to blessing, a way to love. My friends, our understanding of our purpose should propel us in our intentionality to love people. If we understand that purpose, how can we not love people? Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your presence in this place. You are here. And I thank you that your love is real. It is more real than the air that we are breathing. And I thank you that you were intentional with your love. Lord, your word says that you counted it a joy. The suffering that you were going to go through, you counted it as a joy because you knew what would happen. That through it, we would be restored. We would find peace. We would find joy. We would find hope. So, Father, I pray in this moment, if that is what we need, I pray that you give it. May your Holy Spirit minister to all of us. This year has been crazy. So we pray, Lord, that you will intentionally love on us right now. And in turn, we will go and intentionally love on those around us. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the hope it provides. We bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, with our, I, just, I want to take a minute with our eyes closed, heads bowed. I want to, if you don't have this, this peace, if you have not experienced this revelation of God's love, I want to give you an opportunity in this moment. If you want to take that, make that move forward and invite Jesus into your life this morning, not to embarrass you, but to pray with you, I would invite you to slip up your hand. I would love to pray with you this morning. Father, we come to you. And I thank you, Father, for those that, that rose their hands. I thank you, Father, for those that might be watching online that raised their hand. And I pray that in this moment that your spirit would come and minister to them. I pray, Father, that as they pray, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And, and as they de declare their belief that, that you died and you rose from the dead, that you intentionally loved them, I pray that you would make in them a new spirit, a clean spirit, that the past will be washed away, that they won't be the same person when they go to the next moment of life, but that they will know that you are in their heart, that you are walking with them through life. We thank you for the hope that you bring, for the, the, the salvation that you provided. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, real quick, I have a reflection and a challenge for you, and it's this. The reflection. In what way do you choose to live your life? Will you choose to intentionally love people, no matter who they are? no matter who they are. And if so, my challenge is this. If you should choose to intentionally love other people, there is no better time than now. Given our current climate, we are a divided country. 
This world doesn't need more hate. It doesn't need more anger. It doesn't need more memes. It needs the people of God loving on people. It needs people reaching across the I don't care if you're a Democrat, if you're Republican, whatever it is. Love on people. Love on people. Because if we, the church, will be intentional, intentional on the way we love people, we will see people restored. We will see people with hope. We will see people with peace. My friends, our understanding of our purpose should propel us to intentionally love other people. I thank you for being here this morning. I can't wait to see you next week. I love you guys. God bless.